Women who should be famous. The stories from women that need to be spread far and wide. Stories that we can learn from, find comfort in and peace. When we realise just how much we can support each other when we simply have conversations and bring our voices alive. Enjoy the episode. So welcome to this another conversation and on this particular time this topic is about changing your name with love and we'll get to a bit more love later in the conversation and this is with Bodhani Ridaya. When we first met her name was Victoria and it was on a four-day retreat with the wonderful Teresa Adrienne on the Sound of Self retreat and there was a group of women that really wanted to connect and discover their voices. Now, when I entered the yurt for a session with Victoria, it was abundant in singing bowls and other musical instruments. But for me, my body was restless, it was agitated, it was uncomfortable, and I remember a very sharp pain in my hips. I nearly left that session, but before I knew it, I'd gone to sleep and I was being gently awoken with sound And the moments after that were astounding was that there was no more pain. I was calm and I was peaceful. Now in our time apart, Victoria was gifted with a new name and one which she embraced with love, Bodhani. So Bodhani, we're going to be talking about names, identity, and the confusion at times with this topic, certainly when we're thinking about pronouns and how our name makes us feel. Do you have a quick way to change your state and see how claiming who you are in the world, your name, and how it can be seen in a different light? Uh, I don't know about a quick way. (laughs) (laughs) I think it gets easier um, the more that you get to know yourself, that you come home to your heart and you open to, um, I guess what I would call grace. Um, you know, I'm very much on a a path of the of the truth seeker of someone who um, has always been fascinated with why we are here, what is our purpose, uh, what does it all mean, and I think uh, with all the the layers of uh, conditioning and uh, all you know all that we learn as we grow up from everyone around us, from our family, our society, from the education system, uh, you know some of that's great and it's helpful, and and some of it's not so much. Um, I think for me, it took a long time to work out what of that stuff and it, and it's ongoing that I needed to begin to unpick to know myself and how I really who I really felt that I I was or at least have some idea of who I was it it felt <laughs> it feels very much like it was a, a slow process I guess I was lucky because it started at an early age I was just um 15 when I began meditation but even before then you know even as a a child at primary school I was very fascinated by uh, the different types of religions cultures belief systems as to why people believed we were here how we came to be here the ideas I guess about um genders um and what people should be doing, shouldn't be doing, all of that has has fascinated me from a very, very early age. And it's just been something um, 
but I guess first I explored externally, you know, by watching other people, um, listening to other people before I was sort of old enough to start looking at all those things within myself. And uh, yeah, it's an ongoing process. Yes, and sort of certainly with the name Badini, could you kind of walk us through how that came to be? That would be beautiful to hear how that came to be. Yeah, so I've been a, a student of yoga um, now for, I guess, about 15 or so years. And when I talk about yoga, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about the physical, modern, postural yoga that we tend to see in, in gyms and fitness studios and things. It's a very um, traditional yogic path, which is centered in meditation and philosophy, devotion, again, all encompassing all the exploration of the divine, uh, the nature of the mind, the true nature of reality, um, that path of yoga. Mm. Um, and uh, I was fortunate to be able to go and spend um, six weeks in India uh, with my teacher uh, Padma here from who you know originally was learning from here in the UK we had this wonderful adventure out in India and we were given the opportunity to receive a spiritual name which is quite common um, in in the older yogic traditions and um, I'd never really felt a connection to my birth name mm -hmm. um, I'd always struggled with Victoria from an early age. Um, it just didn't feel like me, but because I'd never known anyone to change their name, it, you know, it was just wasn't a thing I'd ever known anyone to do. I never considered the possibility of changing my name, whatever it was, whether I liked it or not. <laughs> that was kind of, you know, cause not everybody does, not everybody likes the name they're given. Um, but I'd, I kind of made this decision that if I do this, I'm going to do it properly um, because the spiritual name in the in our yogic tradition, I don't know if it's the same for all of them, but it's said to be the 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 sound or the vibration of your soul. Mm. Um, and uh, so it can help you bring, you know, become more into alignment with who you really are. Mm. Um, and I, you know, thought that that would be ideal really you know why not so um so yeah I received the name it's it's interesting how it's it's not like another person uh goes through a book of names and chooses one for you mm -hmm. um, it's received um by the person that gives it to you in a, in a deep state of meditation you know they'll meditate on you and and hear a name um so you really don't know what it might be <laughs> it really could be anything <laughs> um and uh but as as soon as i i heard my name bodhini i really um felt yeah that that felt there was um a i guess uh something that was kind of uh hard to explain to put into words of how I felt but it was just a feeling of yeah that that feels like me yes um special feeling did it did you feel that quite physically that yeah feeling? it's very emotional I remember I I burst into tears um but not in a sad way it was it was like uh finally being like my soul had been heard and understood 
Yeah. Even though your your mind's doing a hundred million things at the time, it's saying sure. it's analysing it and what does that mean and you know all these things. Um, how do I even pronounce it? Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's all these things going through your mind, but also on a on a, a soul level, you you really do know if yeah if you if you really feel it you you do you it's uh, like a whole being experience that's hard to to describe yeah when you received it did you were you gifted also almost an explanation or kind of yeah. over and above just the name and pronunciation you know did they go over and above to sort of share you know, yeah it's in a lovely ceremony so you have a naming ceremony and uh yeah you are told the the meaning of your name so um Bodhini means uh like possessor of knowledge yes. um or like uh Bodhi is is awaken yes. um so it's so it might take you know my whole life and a few other ones before I fully awaken or, or <laughs> possess all that knowledge I don't know but it's <laughs> it's nice to know that I'm on the, on the right track maybe <laughs> yeah for sure and I, I and I remember sort of the moment perhaps I came to know um you know that name came forward and I've just seen from that day forward just this and you, you described yourself as a truth seeker at the beginning and I really did feel that that name almost gave you the freedom to be as authentic and true and whole from that moment forward and it's not to say that you were fake beforehand but I felt it it, it, it yeah. felt like a shift and I, I, would, I would assume that I wouldn't be the only person to say that to you. Uh, yeah, I think of quite a few people who know me well and, mm. uh, you know, know the journey that I've been on felt the same. And, and whereas some people can't let go of Victoria yes. and won't let go of Victoria, sure. um, there are other people who, even though they did know me as Victoria, it's almost like they've forgotten it's like you have to remind them, you know, not that I choose to remind people, but, you know, like sometimes they'll hear someone else say it and they'll go, oh, God, I don't even think of you like that anymore, even though they might have known me for years. They're like, it's like um, it's just almost dissolved. That name just dissolved from their memory because they they knew that or they felt like I did that Bodhini was the right name. Um, yes. and, and some people flip between the two. <laughs> especially in the early days because that's the thing yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it would it'd be yeah. quite a conscious thing and it'd be like oh hang on <laughs> yeah. it did feel strange when I said Victoria at the beginning actually and and I was I was mindful of that that it felt um yeah, yeah. not, not it, true to who you are so yeah it, it feels strange to hear it as well mm, because yeah. now it I mean uh, I only really hear it you know in a or see it really in a official capacity you know on my uh, passports things like that I mean that you know I don't use um, you know bank statements things like that you know if you go to the doctors they'll still say Victoria because I've been incredibly lazy in changing everything over <laughs> because I'm so Ugh, about admin I just see the big pile of things that would have to be changed and I'm like I will do this I will do this. Um, so Victoria can deal with the admin that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I, I do keep so I will get around to officially you know deed poll everything because um it feels like that would be the the right thing to do and I want to do it 
it's just yeah when you're faced with all the phone calls to ring everyone and fill out all the forms and everything it's like oh there's so many really much nicer things I could be doing with my time than wading through all this paperwork and telephone calls but I, I will get round to to doing it I've made that's my one of my jobs for 2023 <laughs> and I guess one of the things that you would much prefer to do is play some music and yes. I guess it sort of seamlessly takes us on to the next question around sound and you know sound is obviously a really big and very beautiful part of what you do what connection does it bring you personally I think I found um refuge in sound um at a time where I had sort of very low confidence um I mean I wasn't a particularly confident child um especially when it came to expression and creativity because even though I loved art and I loved music um I wasn't really supported in those things at school. My art teacher took a lot of issues with the things that I would choose to draw. Um, I guess they were quite controversial. <laughs> um, you know, we were often, you know, encouraged to to draw things that had meaning for us or that we felt were important. And so, uh, for for me, I was always very. Um, concerned about the environment and about animals and uh, I'd done a poster about the ivory trade uh, which had a an an elephant which had been decapitated on it and the art teacher didn't take that well even though as far as I was concerned I'd followed the instructions (laughs) about you know creating a piece of art about something that you felt passionate about um and I was told in music that I couldn't sing that I didn't have any rhythm and so I just assumed that as much as I loved these things that I wasn't good at them or I shouldn't be doing them so I kind of locked that uh creative part of myself away because I just I didn't think I there was that I I had any value in in those ways and and so just put it to all to one side but the sound therapy was a way where I could kind of just take myself you know into the the gong into the singing bowls mm. and there isn't really a, a right or wrong way you know when you're using them for, for your own personal meditation um, there's no one to tell you whether you're doing it right or wrong or how it sounds um, and so for me to you know just be able to drum and you know play my singing bowls on my own um, I would just lose myself in the sounds and I would find it would awaken all that creativity that I had you know pushed down and repressed because I've been told either I I shouldn't or I couldn't. Sound helped you almost claim that back again because obviously if you've been told for years that you know your pitch is a bit off and you know that expressing yourself that way you could have been really quite held back so it must have unlocked or shifted something in you. It did. Yeah, definitely. And um, the more that I began to explore um, sound healing um, and that led to chanting, 
um, the the yogic mantras that was that was quite difficult bringing that element of things because it meant reconnecting to my voice which I had been told was not good as a child by a music teacher which was a hard thing to take Mm. um, especially when it was in front of a group of other kids you know there's the embarrassment that comes with that so that was really difficult that was a really long process uh, to be able to get over my fear to not only just chant out loud at home on my own but also to be heard by others and there are still times where I get nervous I do obviously incorporate the chanting into the sound healing now in my work with other people but I'm more comfortable much more comfortable with it and happy to do it uh, than I was you know even just a few years ago it was that was a big block to um, overcome yeah for sure and I, I remember having I mean over the years I remember having experiences where I'd almost put my own musical tastes aside and I'd let other people kind of do the the DJing if you like in the house and things like that and going back to music and actually how it was really quite transformational so I've had those experiences on a very soft side but when we were together on the retreats and we started that those sort of Sanskrit mantras, you know, I'd almost be like one eye open just to double check I'd said it correctly. And I learned as the days went by that actually didn't matter how I was saying it. And there was a moment where I actually felt the vibration of my voice. And I've never experienced that sort of depth before, or perhaps that connection with my voice before. Do do you work with people also to, to achieve that as well as obviously accepting the sort of sound and the impact that sound has? Have you had those moments with other people yeah there has been on occasionally I still I still find that a lot of people um were like myself very shy about being heard um and also not everybody um necessarily feels the same connection to yoga and the and the mantras that that I do so sometimes you know that way of working doesn't resonate for them um so it's a you know trying to find other sounds um that do but yeah i think there's there's a lot of hesitation i find about being heard verbally or you know it, whether it's through speaking or or chanting or singing and i totally understand that and it yeah it seems to be a thing for most most people that I encounter in my work is a there's a yeah definitely a a shyness and a reservation about that in case they're judged yes it's as I say it's 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 noted and I've often seen it noted as one of the big one of the biggest fears that we have as humans is is essentially our voice and and actually speaking in public and being able to converse it's actually a on the list of sort of you know top fears which is um quite sad in a way when you think that it actually is something that is so individual and the way you phrase things it's very very personal isn't it so yeah it's a an interesting one and I guess it, it kind of moves me into your Instagram space where I've again seen your voice you know really come to fruition like you say sometimes you feel like going there and it's beautiful to hear you and on Instagram it's uh, Bodhi aspirations and you state a beautiful message in there and I'd just like us to take it in for a moment. You write, find peace within, share the love. Can you share why these two things are particularly important, perhaps now and forever and always have been? Yeah, I think um, find peace within was something that took me 
uh, like I said at the beginning, a long time to learn. I was always looking externally for answers or solutions to feel peaceful within myself, whether it was looking to other people to complete me or to have the answers as to how I could feel peaceful or, or complete. And um, it was a long time before I surrendered to the fact that, you know, there is no external um, way to find peace. It is only within you. And so that is really, you know, my, the, the main thing about what I do and how I live is, is remembering that for myself, but also hopefully, you know, inspiring other people to consider that and to look, mm -hmm. find ways to, to, to go within, uh, which, you know, isn't always easy or comfortable. Yeah. And we have to um, often face what is taking us away from peace mm -hmm. um, to be able to let, you know, work through it, let it go find compassion or acceptance for those things. Um, but yeah, ultimately there is no, no other way, unfortunately. It's definitely not easy. Um, and share the love because, you know, we are, we do, it does feel like, especially the last few years as a society, we seem to have become or it feels more divided than ever. And whether social media, I think social media probably has uh, contributed to that because, you know, everyone can be an armchair critic and mm -hmm. uh, state their opinions and stuff, um, whether they, they need to or not, you know, it's there. So people often just do, and they don't always think about the consequences of what they're posting, what they're commenting. Um, and where's, you know, social media has has mostly been fun for me you know mostly i love the connections that i've made made some really good friends um friendly and connecting with each other um it's it's really in it's been interesting but also quite sad watching you know i've seen you know people lose relationships friendships you know because of uh, you know things that have been going on collectively and, and and some of that you know has been yeah reinforced or exasperated by social media and I just think um, you know it doesn't matter necessarily if we don't agree with someone you know even our friends and family you know you don't all think the same thing agree on the same things but you still love each other even if those things might infuriate you about each other or you just don't understand where they're coming from but you, you know you still love them um essentially um and i i just wish people would extend that more to you know people they don't know <laughs> on the internet as well um, yeah. and in the wider world you know even just when you're out and about in your local town um you know again sometimes you know there just seems to be so much uh, friction and, and judgment um and whether that's just a sign of our times or whether it's always been that way but it's just more noticeable now i don't know um but i you know i just always think you know if you can be loving and kind uh, without judgment then why not Absolutely. And I, I really do think that your posts are a super reminder of something that if we were don't have increased awareness of it, we might not share it as often as we potentially could as well. The potential yeah. to share more love and kindness and compassion is 
much greater if we are aware of it. So it would be a lost art um, if you weren't bringing attention to it. So thank you for that. I think it's it's really special. And, and this is a big part of your work is, is sharing the love. And it would be really lovely, Bodhani, to hear your career journey. So you've had this um, education has been sort of, uh, you know, if you like, united in both parts of your career. But you've started out as a holistic therapist, although I, I think I noticed that you've gone back to a bit of that as well, which is lovely. Um, but to become a yoga meditation teacher. So obviously, I read as well that you had learned transcendental meditation Um as a youth which I think thought was an incredible technique to be exposed to so young but obviously you've developed over time and you've explored different things gone with the flow but yeah it'd be lovely to hear you know your full career journey yeah yeah I I did learn transcendental meditation at 15 um it just came into my life I wasn't looking for it um, but at the time I was uh, suffering with uh, severe, severe anxiety. Um, I was under um, a child psychologist and um, it was kind of, uh, we were just, you know, open to trying anything, um, you know, so that, you know, I could feel happy um, and, and, and secure in some way because sort of mentally and emotionally, I just wasn't. It just was, you know, really at a low. Um, and it just so happened that a friend's dad was a, a TM teacher. And uh, he said that, you know, I could, you know, I could join a, a course if I wanted to. Um, it was full of adults that were, were much, much older than me. Um, and I didn't know anything about it really until I got to the very first session. I had no idea what to expect but I instantly loved it and took to it and um, it became you know a really important part of my life very quickly and I saw the results of that within a, a couple of weeks you know uh, my mood changing uh, my ability to think more clearly mm. um, a sense of peace and calm that I hadn't experienced for a long long time if, if at all, really, I think as a child, I was always, a, you know, a bit anxious about something. Um, Great timing and, for your exams as well. Yeah, you? yeah, it did definitely help my GCSE results improve because I was able to have that clarity of mind and retain um, more information. That is one of the things that they say um, meditation, you know, can help with improve the memory. Um, and keep you focused so it it was yeah quite convenient timing not that I ever did anything really useful with my GCSEs but <laughs> <laughs> it was it was nice to get the unexpected uh, better results um and so it was there for, yeah that that was there from very early on and I left school at 16 um and went straight into beauty school so I did my beauty therapy qualifications, but as we were um, learning massage, I actually realized I was more drawn to the holistic side of um, the therapies rather than the, the beauty. Sure. Um, so I then went on after I finished that training to learn um, more holistic therapies like Indian head massage, Reiki, reflexology uh, that for gosh about 20 years worked in different well-being centers spas became a trainer became a manager went on to part own my own 
um, holistic spa and uh, all, all the mean time, you know, the yoga and the meditation and the spiritual exploration was happening in the background. And that was always my most um, precious and important thing. But I never, ever thought about it um, becoming a, a job or, or what, you know, or work as such. It was just part of who I was. Um, but after 20 years in the spa industry, I was I just had enough, really. I, I knew it wasn't me anymore. I'd grown out of it. I had no interest in it. Every day was just like a slog because there was no passion anymore. Um, and I just, yeah, I just basically wanted to meditate and do yoga all day. And um, so gradually I began to offer classes. I did various um, meditation teacher trainings, eventually went on to do my yoga teacher training. And uh, so I just started running classes alongside um, having the spa. And after, actually, as I was flying home from India, I was sitting on the plane. Uh, there was just this very strong, intuitive sense as now is I have to, I have to let go of the spa. Yes. Um, it's really, you know, it, it's taking energy away from what I really want to do. There's, there's, there was just nothing in it for me anymore that was um, sat satisfying or fulfilling. I was really always almost dreading going to work. Also by that stage, when you're running a spa, you're not even really doing treatments anymore. You're doing all the admin. <laughs> training the staff. You don't even, you know, I wasn't even really seeing any clients by that point. It was all management stuff, which um, I just didn't, didn't want to do that was not how I wanted to spend the rest of my days um yeah always having to sort out you know leaky pipes advertising um bath squabbles things like that I was like no that you know I wasn't even 40 and the thought of doing that until I retired I was like no way um I need to get out um and so because I'd already started to run classes Mm -hmm. um, I just took the leap. Do you know, it was a risk because I didn't have enough financially to keep me viable. I sold my share in the spa, which which helped. But um, long term, I didn't, you know, know what on earth was going to happen. And then COVID came along, and I thought, oh, <laughs> this is really uh, not good timing. Uh, but actually, it for me it was good timing because um I moved classes online and because people were at home with not much else to do they they came online and joined me whereas um a lot of them hadn't previously in person which was interesting um and uh so actually I the business grew during COVID and it does still feel strange to refer to it as a business because it doesn't feel like a business. It's just part of who I am. But then I also do have to acknowledge, you know, that there are aspects of it that are business like. Yes. Um, so it's just, you know, trying to uh, remain um, grounded in the fact that, you know, it's a really important part of my life. Um, and that, you know, it's important to, if I run it as a business, that it's done so, you know, with integrity and the love that my spiritual practice is important to that, to honour that. So, um, and, and yeah, it just kind of has unfolded and evolved 
kind of all by itself. I'm very much a person who listen to, you know, to life, to uh, any sort of intuitive prompts or guidance. I don't really plan far ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there were times in the beginning uh, where, you know, I did speak to, especially at the beginning of COVID, because I'd never worked online before. So I did speak to business coaches because I was like, I don't know how to do this online thing. Um, and, you know, and then there was talk of, you know, do you have a business plan? Do you have goals? Do you know what you want to achieve? I was like, um, no. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be here doing what I love to do. And if people are open to receiving it, then great. Um, and, and I just, yeah, just kind of follow intuitive prompts as to when to do things, what to offer, how long to let that be, you know, available for. I don't, yeah, I don't have a set kind of plan for, for anything, you know, beyond, you know, maybe a month or two at the most. But but somehow, and I, you know, I, I thank uh, the grace of God or the universe, the great spirit, whatever you want to call it every day, because I honestly don't know sometimes <laughs> what's going to happen from one one week to the next, but it just seems to work out. Yeah. Um, and that did take some getting used to, because obviously when I did have the, the, the spa, you did have to make long-term plans because there was a lot of responsibility when you've got staff premises and, and big bills to pay. Yes. Uh, so it was quite an adjustment. Um, yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> it's funny. I, I can, I can, I, I sort of resonate with so much of your journey. First off, I too started out as a beauty therapist and kind of, you know, learning that plethora of treatments and then honing in. Um, I do think actually beauty therapy is a beautiful course to go and explore because mm. it does open up so many different routes that you could go and and it is actually quite a creative okay. space um yeah. and I don't think I appreciated that at the time I just perhaps on reflection can see that actually mm. it really sort of um opened up something quite magical in the process and yeah massage aromatherapy similar things sort of came to light it's so funny because I'm probably the only friend in any friend group that never has a plan <laughs> you know it's like what are you doing at the weekend what are you doing tonight I never know I'm never really that organized and I got to a point where I felt a little bit guilty for it or maybe sort of felt like oh maybe I ought to start planning and you know and I'd perhaps buy a little journal a good excuse to buy some stationery and start planning and none of those things would come to fruition but if I just allowed life to flow to call it fly by the seat of my pants but I don't I I actually think in some ways I was just letting life flow and just going with it and then just seeing where it took me and um so it's really nice to know that I wasn't alone on that journey (laughs) but finding trust actually to 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 follow no structure do do you think you had a turning point yourself to actually trusting that it was okay not to have a big plan if you like I think like um like you said sometimes you do feel um a bit kind of different or guilty almost for not having a plan because other people are so wrapped up in plans and and society is so structured you know you must leave school you must do this 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 and this and have that 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 and that and none of that appealed to me ever and um so but sometimes I would try and force myself into that box 
books because I thought it was the right thing to do because everybody else was doing it. Uh, but I, I just can't roll that way. I just can't. And I, I tried to, you know, like I remember um, reading some personal development book. I can't remember what it was now, but they talked about a four year plan. Wow. And I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to give this a go. And so I made this four year plan and literally within four days, everything just started to completely fall to shit. And I thought, <laughs> do you know what? This can go. Because it was literally like the universe was saying, yeah, very funny. Don't try that one. <laughs> like it was almost instant. It was literally like within days, everything that would have been, you know, making the plan possible just yeah. fell to bits. Yeah. And uh, I just thought, yeah, do you know what? This isn't me. And people can, uh, you know, think whatever they like about that. Yeah. And uh, but I can't, yeah, I can't. There's a momentary feeling of failure, isn't there? There's a feeling yeah. of failure. Oh God, I didn't, you know, I thought, okay, that was manageable. Not 10 years, four years. I can do it. I can do this. But yeah, that's, that's really almost quite amusing in a way that, you know, the, yeah. the universe is going, uh, 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 that's not your thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and some people, it, you know, planning really is their, their thing. Or, or at least they've convinced themselves it is. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. A lot of people, they say, oh, no, I have to plan everything, you know, da, 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 da. And they say it works. And maybe on the surface, sometimes it looks like it works. Mm. But I would love to know, you know, are they really happy with how the plan turned out? Or yeah. were they following a plan that they felt needed to be in place because other people or conditioning things had made them believe that that was the right plan for them yeah out of curiosity in fact I'll ask that on the podcast so there's a lovely yeah. opportunity for for space for me to write a question and I think actually that would be it would be interesting to know wouldn't it because it's like yeah lived a life where I've thought oh, I wish I could plan better I wish I could be a little bit more I've always looked into the future I've always known that I could things could you know could build and could grow but I didn't plan it I guess is perhaps a difference. Yeah. I had foresight and I could see into the future and I could imagine great things, but yeah, I wouldn't necessarily put a plan or structure in place. So. Yeah. And yeah. I find with plans that in many ways, to me, it feels limiting because mm. you're saying, well, this is what I want to happen, but there could be things that you hadn't thought of yet that are even better. Yes. And, you know, you might miss out on those by being so focused on one particular outcome. Yeah. Uh, because one thing I do find by not planning is that a lot of opportunities seem to come up in the spaces where there's no plans. Yeah. Whereas if maybe I was busy doing or focusing on something else, you know, maybe those things wouldn't come up or if they did, I'd have to say no to them because I'd already planned something else. I feel more free when there's no plan. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And I think I was just wondering actually whether some of our answers might be in feminine energy so I was kind of thinking about the importance of bringing feminine energy to a situation to anything in life and obviously when we think about in your particular world with yoga with meditation and with teaching you know what shift do you think people should expect when we do bring our femininity to the situation I guess it depends how we define feminine mm. um, because in yoga 
you know, we have uh, the principles of Shiva and Shakti. So Shiva um, and Shakti, they're, they're seen as the feminine and masculine principles because the Sanskrit language has feminine and masculine words. Yes. Um, but I guess really you could say they're more like the, the mother and father principle. Um, mm. And they both have qualities that are the same and overlap. Uh, they they can both be whatever they want to be, um, but but Shakti, the the feminine principle or the mother principle, she is the power, the energy that brings uh, con Shiva's consciousness to life. So um, you know she brings everything into the physical, into the material, into actual form. Whereas otherwise, you know, we would just be floating ideas. <laughs> just nothing, you know, just ideas that, you know, that don't come to fruition. So whereas uh, sometimes people describe feminine to me as as soft or receptive and and both Shiva and Shakti can can be like that. Um, so, um, you know, and, and just recently I've been reading about Shiva and Shakti in the form of Bhairava and Bhairavi, where they they both, you know, look quite um, terrifying. You know, they have fangs, uh, they, they look, you know, like they basically walk around naked and dirty and, and Shiva has a dog, which is seen as, you know, kind of like hanging out with the unsavorable <laughs> creatures because, wow. you know, like whilst we all love dogs, dogs have a different kind of representation um, in other parts of the world. And um, and so they can, yeah, they can kind of, I to me, Bhairava and Bhairavi represent the parts of us that we don't like looking at right okay. uh the, you know the things that we find difficult about well not just even about ourselves but also about about the world and whilst they look terrifying um you know they both are really a way of of loving grace to you know the teachings of Bhairavi and Bhairava are very much you know how to embrace those those kind of um terrifying darker uh, bits that we want to avoid um, and you can't have one without the other mm. um, so I guess I don't think of necessarily anything I think what the problem is in the modern world is the patriarchy really it's not so much knowing what feminine and masculine means I think because they mean different things to different people and I guess from a young age, I always felt that on a soul level, uh, I am neither gender, but yet I'm both at this. I have the qualities of both mm. at the same time, whatever that means, because now as an adult, I can see that, you know, in those different representations of Shiva and Shakti, they all encompass everything. Mm. Uh, there's there's nothing that's more feminine and more masculine. It's just that. Um, they often refer to Shiva as being like the universal stage and Shakti being the actresses that play every single part. Mm. So, she, you know, we're, we're all both of them. Mm. So I find it quite hard, I guess, to, to know at the moment what I consider to be particularly feminine other than just, yeah, Shakti creates, you know, gives birth to life really, mm. to, to consciousness. As I think because of the patriarchy, 
they've kind of conditioned us into believing masculine is this and feminine is that and so I think the idea of both has become quite confusing um, perhaps um, going forward and with that yeah. balance if you like but it's maybe yeah. sometimes it will be like a, a shift like a rise of one in one moment a rise yeah. of another but ultimately you're trying pretty wherever possible it's not always easy to stay balanced and yeah in equilibrium but there may be situations that call for one to sort of rise or one to kind of lower a little bit just so that it, it, it can be feel balanced when you're actually going through the situation but yeah, it's one of exploration, isn't it, for sure? It is, definitely, yeah. And because every culture um, and even, you know, a lot of religions have different ideas about what, you know, feminine and masculine means. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really good thing to explore, especially at these times, what what it really means to us. It's, a, it's you know, it comes back to the whole me being a truth seeker thing again, yes. I think. <laughs> And also, yeah, I think that's a beautiful invitation to invite people to actually go and explore it and see how mm. they feel about it rather than this is this and this is that. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a wonderful um, exploration I'd encourage people to do. So again, this might sort of flow nicely um, into our next exploration, which is about sharing some of the reasons clients may reach out to you and what you think maybe are the top three obstacles I mean I say three it could be one two ten um about people actually trying to seek that peace from within that you talked about right at the beginning certainly within your your messaging on on social it'd be really lovely to see what you think maybe the three things that stop people getting there and going there yeah I think um firstly I definitely think the last few years, you know, all the collective situations that we've, you know, we're encountering or have encountered with the pandemic, um, with more people talking about, you know, climate change and climate crisis and uh, war. Um, a lot of people are questioning what they thought they knew about the world and they don't feel safe in it they feel uncertain they feel frightened about the future um and then that fear kind of seems to really you know anchor itself in and 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 takes the joy out of life mm. a lot of people just can't switch off from what's going on and then on top of that you know you might have your own personal stuff going on as well as being aware and worried about the collective stuff and so a lot of people come to me overwhelmed, anxious, uh, full of questions, very uncertain, um, really, even if, you know, you can't find the answers as to what's going to happen in the future, having the courage to be able to, to face it and feel, I think, you know, a lot of people want to find acceptance, um, and and to yeah find some kind of relief from the anxiety um, because a lot of people now I've noticed because I I do still do some holistic therapies as well as the meditation and yoga for some people their their bodies have just forgotten how to relax 
and when they start to sometimes they there can be um a, a physic very physical reaction where almost like the body jumps back out of the relaxation mm -hmm. and they'll open their eyes and be like what what just happened mm -hmm. and it's almost like their body has forgotten how to relax that it's forgotten that it's safe to relax mm -hmm. and so when it actually happens again and it might be that you know the for some people when they come and they relax it might be that the first time they've relaxed that deeply in months or years even and and it is just a complete shock to the body and the mind and it's like what is this i don't know if this is safe so it instantly pulls itself back out and i you know i find that um really quite sad and, and concerning when you know bodies don't feel safe to relax um, and might you know pe you know people just are so stressed and tense that that relaxation has now become an alien concept to their minds and their bodies I mean what kind of quality of life is that um, you know there's got to be more to life than constantly being wound up stressed to the point where you're your body no longer recognizes relaxation and is almost uneasy with it. Like yeah, that's... almost on high alert. Like yeah. I've seen in my clinic where I think maybe that there has been quite a focus on sort of meditation, mindfulness, mindset, but sometimes people have made shifts in, in, in their mind, but their physical body hasn't caught up with them. Mm, and yeah, it's almost sort of going against what they, the work that they've done, perhaps they have gone within and they have, you know, worked on their yeah. mind and the way they think, but the body hasn't caught up yet. It's got all this memory, this almost ricochet of stress and overwhelm and, you know, exhaustion going on. And it's not actually in line with where they're at inside. And I yeah. definitely feel there's definitely a discrepancy between the two. Yeah, I've seen yeah, that definitely. a lot. Um, in the last last year particularly um, that there's a real divide between the two they're not at one yeah, yeah I guess is where the piece is yeah. come together and I think also um, more people um, are open to taking you know a bit more uh, responsibility or at least um, finding some way of, of looking after themselves instead of completely uh, relying on external sources you know whether it's the nhs or something you know people are recognizing that a lot of their health problems are coming from stress yeah. um and and some have you know tried to access resources but obviously the nhs is so overwhelmed um that they're on waiting lists for a really long time or they're having to talk to a computer um, and so some people are, are coming for holistic therapies or meditation whilst they wait for those spaces to become available or to do it alongside counselling um, and, and other kinds of treatment, um, just as, a, as another support to help the process. And thank goodness they're seeking it because yeah. they, what, what would be the outcome if they wait? Yeah, I, it has been really great to see how people are recognising what they need um, and and looking for it rather than, um, you know, just putting up with it and, you know, feeling like there is no help. Um, it's great to see that people are open to to looking for things, that they're being proactive and... Uh, and trying you know to find solutions for themselves yes. that's really great 
And Bedini, how, how could people work with you personally? You know, there, there is that combination. You're still carrying on some online mm-hmm. as well as retreats and in person. Could you talk us through perhaps the, the different ways in which we, they can connect with you? Yeah, so we've continued the online uh, weekly meditation classes that started, uh, must be maybe nearly two and a half years ago from the first week of the very first lockdown. Um, And a a nice community um, has grown um, that's become almost uh, like a, a family almost because we went through that, you know, really difficult phase together. Um, and some people have stayed with the group throughout and are, are like, you know, two and a half years in and some people come and go as and when they feel they need the sessions. And um, so it's it's a really kind of informal, relaxed space where um, there'll be a guided, intuitive meditation and people are invited afterwards to to stay behind and share and chat and ask questions or some people um you know they just like to have that space that time for themselves and so they'll just kind of be there with their camera off or or some people wait for the recordings um but people have options you know i like to give people um because you know some people love to be part of a group but some people like to do things on their own so um even if people don't join us for the live sessions on the sunday mornings um we still feel feel their energy as part of the group um you know some people i never see them but i know their names yeah. and uh i can still feel their their energetic presence um so it, yeah even people that you know come and either you know just enjoy the recordings or sit there with their camera off they're still very much part of the community but you know they give as you know participate in as little or as much as they choose to um so and also people can have one-to-one sessions online whether that's um meditation or yoga or reiki um and and sessions can really be tailored to the individual i don't kind of have a a protocol that I follow. No plan. No plan. <laughs> it's very much, you know, Global someone <laughs> will turn up and I will ask them, you know, what are they looking for? Uh, what are they hoping to get from the session? And I just deeply listen from my heart yes. and am guided by what I've I've heard. And and for me, the the deep listening from the heart at the beginning, that's that's the most important thing that I can do Um, because often we're not listened to deeply if at all you know sometimes you know we speak to each other but don't always listen to the the other half you know the other person so um, I'm kind of led by what I hear and uh, we take it from there and then in person in Hertfordshire Um, We have a like a range of sound meditations, uh, yoga workshops, uh, yeah, retreat days. We um, also really, for me, it's really important our relationship with the natural world. So we also have kind of ceremonies to honour the cross quarter festivals every six weeks. So we've got the winter solstice one coming up in just a few weeks time. We've just had Samhain a few weeks ago um, 
because that's also very much part of my my truth seeking and my spiritual practices to to have that deep connection with the natural world and the seasons and cycles and what we can learn from that so that often comes into all of the work online and in person is I love to work in in spaces that are particularly you know natural or rural yes um, I've seen some of the imagery like yeah gardens that you've been in and almost like mazes and kind of yeah labyrinths that's it yeah yeah so um yeah there's an annual retreat every um sort of early spring um where yeah we have um a beautiful venue in bedfordshire where they have that you can walk um (laughs) talking about being heard yeah wonderful woke up from a dream oh it's okay sorry baby that's all right (laughs) losing your thread we finished we hear you we do yeah (laughs) yeah it's funny because i I actually did a treatment yesterday where i've never ever done that process with a person before but I, I do the same. I, I, I come into a treatment uh, situation and I have absolutely no plan. And it just turns out how it turns out and yeah. you have to trust that it's the right thing. That's it. Definitely. Yeah. A big part of this work is trust. Even a lot of my, you know, my like my classes, retreat days, um, you know, sometimes there has to be a rough plan if it incorporates, you know, being at a certain place to take a walk or, you know, there's food involved, that kind of thing. Then, you know, there has to be a little bit of planning. But when it actually comes to the the content, the meditations, the things that I say, I just let it flow from my heart. So our online classes every week, I don't usually know what the meditation is going to be until my mouth opens and one flows out. And uh, it's always really interesting what arises within the group as a result of that. And also for me, because often I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I'm hearing the words as they come out and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, I hadn't thought of that. You know, like, you know, that I'll have realizations or insights as these things. So I, I'm learning um, as much you know, as I'm receiving as much as everybody else. Um, so it's always very much a group exploration and I love it when people also you know share their wisdom and experiences with the group it's you know I I never liked that I that kind of way of just being the teacher at the front yes uh, you know it's you know I always try and have us in a circle where possible um and we're all there learning and teaching each other so it's yeah it's it's really important for me with especially group events that it does feel like a community not a classroom because and all in that equal when you're in that circle yeah, in, in, yeah. In, that, in a way yeah because um you know i don't know everything and there are so many people that come to the workshops that have been on their own path that have wisdom to share and really good questions to ask that we can all contemplate and answer reflect upon together i think that's why um you know 
we all get so much from it because it's like a, it's a it's a community space um rather than just you know sitting there being told what to do and listen to this yeah um, in that way it feels very tailored to whoever yeah, shows that's you it know who's going to show up on the day half, that's of, it. You know, half the time yeah. so you just don't know where where the energy can go so being yeah. flexible like that is is a big skill so yeah I appreciate why you bring yeah. it <laughs> so I wanted to actually ask if you have any additional favorite steps I imagine one really good step uh, step in the process if you like of these events and experiences is the questions that people come that arise that people ask is potentially a, a favorite one but do you have others or anything else that you want to expand upon I really like uh, the support people show each other even to complete strangers what I've really loved about the groups is that people who have never met each other before um you know extend so much compassion and kindness and uh so you know they've been so non-judgmental towards each other even you know you can always tell when you know because not everybody likes to share in a group and we and it's always you know optional no one ever has to but if people want to some people love to do it and some people it you know it's terrifying um but what i love is um you know is that people feel comfortable to say i've never shared before and i feel really nervous about saying this and how the others will you know support them um and and just listen with you know such kindness and encouragement um that then you know you you notice people become more confident within the group and friendships are formed and it's really lovely when i see you know people exchanging contact details because they want to stay in touch with each other um and adding each other reassuring like to witness it you know at the beginning sometimes you think gosh you know where's the love in this situation and you know the the armchair critic that you mentioned so it it must be really beautiful to actually witness it and and it's like it does go on yeah (laughs) because it's like um it's almost like a balm to what I see on you know on social media in particular when I see the the friction Um, you know, sometimes it, it can get you down. You can really think, you know, why why are people that mean, that judgment? And you know deep down it's because, you know, they're suffering the like exactly the same way as the rest of us, but they just have a different way of expressing it. Um, so, you know, you can have that compassion, but sometimes it still really gets you down when you, you know, you see the upset and the nastiness. So then when I, you know, see and experience this opposite, um, you know, it gives me faith and uh, reminds me that, you know, there's so much um, that, you know, we, it's easy to overlook, you know, we can really, we do have a tendency to always focus on the bad stuff and forget that there are people doing lovely things, wonderful things um, for their communities, uh, you know, for all kinds of causes. Um, but often those wonderful actions get overlooked by all the you know the the dramatic horrifying news stories um and so it's really nice when you actually see in your community people forming bonds Mm. looking out for each other offering to help each other and they yeah literally might have only just met like two hours before (laughs) yeah yeah so what about the word joy 
when, when you think about the, the career path you're in right now, what brings you the most joy? I think that that community connection, I think um, it's so important. And in, in many ways, I mean, I can only speak about where where I live, you know, which is just uh, north of London and is very much a commuter town. Um, it can seem like everybody's life's almost too busy um, like sometimes to to be part of the community you know the people are in and out of the city for work or they're running around doing all the you know school drop-offs and all the other things yeah. um, and what we really noticed actually with the pandemic is that it did bring people together and you know I live in a, a block of flats where there's like 20 other people until the pandemic i didn't even know some of their names yeah. um, and then because we all started to look out for each other you know because when you're in a flat you know we were sharing a garden space uh, hallways you know when you couldn't go out you were gonna see more of each other um and uh we were fortunate that you know we had that lovely hot weather in the early stages of the pandemic and so we could be outside and talk and actually get to know each other and see each other through that experience. Um, and I and you know, other people said, you know, that was happening in their streets, you know, people talking over their garden fences, forming WhatsApp groups so that people could, um, you know, ask for help if they needed it, and people could check in with each other. That's and yeah, that's, you know, that's how the online group started and how that's flourished. And, and now we're all back in person as well that seems to be you know extending itself beyond the pandemic into the community yes. and that because i you know i am a sociable person and i do love other people you know i just you know even strangers you know i can get into conversations with people and spend ages with people that you know literally just met on the street and i love it i just love people um and that, re yeah, to see people come in together in a way that um, is beneficial for everybody's well-being, because I think, you know, isolation, a lot of my clients that did live on their own struggled the most in many ways, or if they were in relationships where maybe they hadn't had to spend much time with each other because they'd been so busy, Yes. Um, that all of a sudden being forced yeah. together 24 seven was difficult. And some people, even though they lived with other people, they still felt alone because maybe, you know, they had different thoughts or feelings about what was going on and how to, how to deal with it. Um, and isolation, yeah, seems to be something that a lot of people are still going through or recovering from. Yes. So yeah. having spaces where people can come together is, yeah, it's really joyful because, you know, people, you know, they relax when we're doing the sound meditations, um, you know, all these all these things that, you know, that we do are designed to help us release stress and help us, you know, find our peace. And so to be in that state in the in the group setting and share it with other people, yes. it's really uplifting. And it's you can see the difference in people's faces from when they arrive to to, you know when they leave some people look completely different we often joke that we should take before and after photos because some people um you notice all the muscles in their face have relaxed their eyes are shining there's even their skin looks radiant and it's just because some kind of peace or joy or both has 
has had space to to come to the surface and you know just relaxed and and happy you know so um yeah it's it's really heartwarming yeah I can see why that would be incredibly joyful and certainly seeing I, I often notice it in people's eyes mm. it's like they have like that little kick in their step but showing in their eyes like a little sparkle a little glimmer it's um yeah it's really special to witness isn't it that a change yeah. like, like you say a before and after um without the kind of <laughs> improvements physically necessarily it's just like it's just a, a vision and energy as, as something mm-hmm. I guess before we close this beautiful conversation um could I ask what your favorite quote or maybe a favorite mantra if you want to try and get the audience to say it <laughs> um you know anything like that that sort of comes to mind something that maybe you've always had a phrase that you've always turned to um or maybe something new well I think it was Rumi. I've got a terrible memory when it comes to things like quotes, but I think it, I think it was Rumi that said everything you seek is within you. So I always try and remember that, you yeah. know, if I find myself um, kind of getting caught up in external stuff and say, you know, should I be doing this as well? Like that person, you know, like, you know, it's I find that really helpful to go within and and see what's happening within rather than um, focusing on what might be happening on the outside. Um, but one of my favorite mantras that I use a lot with the groups and, and just in my own personal throughout the day even um, is the Sanskrit mantra Om Shanti, which mm. means universal peace. Om Shanti. And so very often, you know, even just as I'm going about my day, you know, I might be walking down the street and just silently feeling it as if the mantra is radiating from my heart and sending those vibrations of peace out into the world around me. But, you know, also times when maybe I'm feeling like uh, something's taken me away from my peace, just sitting, um, you know, either closing my eyes or finding something to gaze upon that makes me feel peaceful, whether it's, you know, looking out my window and seeing the trees, um, looking at the candles on my altar, and just silently just repeating Om Shanti, Om Shanti. Um, And it's so simple, yet so unbelievably effective. You know, sometimes people come to me and they say, I want you to teach me that really long mantra you did at the end of the sound meditation Um, (laughs) because they like the idea of having something really long and complicated. Um, (laughs) But actually, I always say to people, the the best one that you can start by using is Om Shanti. Like it's to me, it's it's by far one of the most powerful. Yeah, you can you can rattle off all the long prayers and and hymns and whatever and that you know they have their own purpose and if if peace is what you want and I think deep down it is what we want and it's what we want to see in the world then there is no there is no better mantra than Om Shanti. It's beautiful and it's really what is interesting is uh, having said that one myself but also the power of hearing somebody else say it and hearing the resonance or the vibration of somebody else's voice saying it and how that 
brings peace but also how you can say it perhaps a little bit different tone but that can still bring you peace so mm. there's a unity in that in that it's the same words but hearing them can still bring you that sort of peace so yeah thank you for sharing that one and I guess is there any um books that are maybe on your bookshelf that you're into ones that you dip into or maybe a, a good old faithful read that you turn to again and again my most favorite book that made such a big difference to me was uh, autobiography of a yogi uh, by Yogananda Paramahansa um, and I think what is so wonderful is that you know from an early age uh, Yogananda really felt this call yeah to know the to know the truth and to want to um, know God or the divine what you know whatever you want to call it and trusted his intuition from a really early age you know going against the grain going against what his family wanted for him and uh just following his path and there were so many times where it could have gone really wrong uh but he trusted and he surrendered to what was happening and things would work out just almost you know miraculously and it really inspired me, I think, to, to find that trust and to try and surrender. Um, and I would often at times where I was finding resistance to, to both trust and surrender, I would think of the book and I would often think, what would Yogananda do now? <laughs> it became and, a bit of a well, mantra, just yeah. thinking about the book. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so often it would give me the the courage to to trust and surrender when when maybe I couldn't find it. And and I think over time, because I think I first read that that book, maybe, um, gosh, I don't know, it might have been nearly 10 years ago now. Um, it's over the 10 years, I would say that it's it's helped me have the, the courage to take chances um and yeah to trust and surrender even when it's been almost excruciating to because my mind's been so full of of fear yes. um so that's a really powerful book and for the last nearly year i've been studying druidry um because like i said nature is a really important part of my life i really wanted to know more about kind of the old ways of this country and even though a lot of you know information has been lost yeah. um I really wanted to to reconnect with our land because I spent the first kind of you know 15 20 years of my adult life um looking to the east for all my spiritual teachings, guidance. Um, and I was guided last year to start looking closer to home. And so, yeah, I've been studying Druidry um, with the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids um, for the last, yeah, about 11 months. And so there's been lots of books about nature, trees. So at the moment I'm reading Intuitive Herbalism. And yeah, just anything, yeah, anything related to, you know, nature and folklore around our kind of British indigenous ancestors. Um, I'm just, yeah, loving it all at the moment. Yeah, it's just kind yeah. of it's your thing right now that you're, you're yeah. beautiful. 
And I guess alongside reading and perhaps another thing that brings you peace, of course, we've talked about sound. Do you have any favourite music perhaps that you'd like to share? I do predominantly listen to mantras. (laughs) Um, Other than being a massive Prince fan for my entire life, (laughs) I always love Prince first and foremostly. Um, And I think I was drawn to him as a teenager because he was so different and so brave. Absolutely. Yeah, just the things that he would wear, that he would sing, that caused so much, you know, controversy. Um, I just I just thought it was incredible that someone could have guts like that. And I just I loved him. And so he will always be my number one. Uh, but other than that, I I do love listening to um, traditional Indian uh, mm. mantra recordings, as well as um, some really lovely, you know, sort of more some of Western artists as well. Um, in in particular, I really love listening to anything by Gaia Sanskrit. Um, she's got a voice like an angel and uh, sings, yeah, so many of the sacred mantras and texts in a in a way where you almost even without reading them or knowing what they mean you can feel Feel what they mean um, yeah I think that's really lovely for you to share that because certainly if somebody is on that sort of early part of their journey and just kind of wanting to to tap in and see and explore um it's lovely to have recommendations because obviously with music there is a wealth of choice as with books and things like that so Bodhini, before we finish, it would just be really nice um, for the audience to know how they can connect with you. How is best to reach out and to work with you? And, and maybe how would somebody know if they're ready to work with you, if you like, online or, you know, in person? Uh, I always feel you you know when you know. <laughs> that's, that's how I've always uh, felt when I've reached out to someone. Um, yeah. It's just a strong inner nudge that you know you can't ignore. People will reach out to me through the the website by sending me an email. Um, Or sometimes, you know, people see my posts on Instagram and Facebook and uh, will send me messages in response to something that I've posted that speaks to them and um, has they've felt that nudge. That's um, nice. That's a lovely way to put it. And it's all uh, under the name of Bodhi Aspirations. Aspirations. Yes. Yeah. So I will put the links obviously in the podcast notes so that the spelling <laughs> is correct. And we'll put this, the spelling of uh, Om Shanti as well, little things, yes. but yeah. people like a visual, don't they? So we'll, we'll be sure to share all of those. And just thank you so much for just spending this time with us. I think that it's been a beautiful journey when people are exploring life, which is ultimately what we're here to do. Um, all its kind of glory its twists and turns and to to kind of discover all of that thank you so much thank you for inviting me pleasure thank you do you have a story you'd love to share with other women or have recently found your voice your truth or perhaps you've always been known under one path a title that no longer feels authentic enjoy a therapeutic conversation where you can reflect explore and move forward. If so, reach out to me via clairebilliard.com. Link in the show notes for the spelling. Thanks for tuning in.